Hey folks, Pastor here. I hope you've had a good week and uh, I'm excited to be able to be here with you. And uh, I've enjoyed the music up to this point and thank the Lord for all those who have been uh, helping us with that and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I hope that you've got your family with you, your Bible, uh, your favorite drink if you would. And let's take a look at what the Word of God uh, has to say this morning. We're going to talk to you, preach to you, give a sermon to you on the last but best supper. The last but best supper. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 17, if you would please, let's take a look at what the Bible has to say. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the evening was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and brake it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, the, for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here this morning. I pray that you would take your word and that you would use it in the hearts and lives of these your people. I ask, Lord, that you would be with those who may not know you today, that today would be the day where they accept you as their Savior. Their sins would be forgiven. They would have a relationship with you, God. I ask you for it. I pray, Father, that you would challenge our hearts. Uh, I pray that you would convict us where we need convicting. And, Lord, I pray that we would be able to take Bible principles, apply them to our lives, and follow after the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us not to just look at the, book, uh, the Bible as a book of principles, but help us to look uh, at the Bible as a book that shows us how to live life following Jesus. We thank you for the principles, but help us to remember that we're not after principles, we're after a person. And Father, I pray that you would help us with that. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm, I'm sure that many of you you have a mom like my mom. My mom has done everything that she can to always make the holidays and birthdays very special for our family. I mean, she goes all out. There's special meals. She'll ask me if it's my birthday, what type of meal did you want? And she knows now, it's beef and dumplings. Nothing better than her beef and dumplings. Uh, but she has special meals. She'll have treats on the plates. She has special desserts. She'll have gifts. There's a, a whole lot of love and a bunch of family. And our times around the table during these special days is something that I will cherish for my whole life. 
It's something, to be honest with you, that I don't want to ever end. But I know if the Lord tarries, there's going to be a last Christmas dinner that she prepares, a last Valentine's celebration that she has for us, a last birthday dinner that she'll make for me. And you know, I really don't like to think about those times because of what it means. There's a reality that comes with thinking about the lasts. See, lasts are sometimes hard, but sometimes they can be joyful. Think about all those college students, last day of school. Though it can be sad, you got your friends, but it's also joyful. You had an accomplishment. Or high school, the same way. I think about my master's program when I graduated years ago from my, uh, and got my master's degree. I think about that. I have made some friends, but I was joyful and glad to be done. Think about those who have had extended medical treatments and now they're healed. Their last day of treatment, that's joyful. And Jesus and his disciples are at what we call the Last Supper. It was the last time that his disciples would ever be together with Jesus in this way. I believe Jesus knew this, but I'm not quite sure the disciples understood all of it. And I can't help but think that there was probably some sadness on the part of Jesus. But I also believe that there was some joy in his heart as well as he thought about the Last Supper. And I believe there was some joy because of what he was getting ready to accomplish for his disciples and for you and for me. And though this was the Last Supper, it was the best supper. Do you know what I think Jesus was trying to let his disciples know? What he was trying to prepare his disciples for? That there was going to be a new normal. You know, we've all heard about this new normal. And we're wondering how this new normal looks. What does it mean? How's my life going to change during this new normal? How will this new normal affect my family, my job, and my relationships? Where will this new normal leave me financially? See, Jesus was talking about a new normal long before you and I even ever thought about it. See, the, for the disciples, their new normal was going to be life without the physical presence of Jesus. And that was sad. But their new normal is also going to be joyful because of the continuing presence of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus was trying to prepare them for life that they would live in faith with him. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? That whenever anyone comes to faith in Christ, they experience a new normal. See, you experience a new normal with faith in Christ. And do you realize, friend, those who know Christ, that just not, doesn't happen at salvation. We understand that. But that should happen every day as you grow in grace, as you grow in love, as you uh, grow in joy, as you grow in long-suffering and patience. I mean, <clears throat> you shouldn't respond the same way that you used to respond as you're growing in Christ. That's a new normal. When somebody is nasty to you, do you respond in kind or do you respond kind? See, that's a new normal for you. See, faith in Christ brings a new normal. The Bible tells us this. 
that in Christ all things are new. Behold, all things, old things have passed away, right? We have a new normal in our walk with Christ. But I want you to see from this passage how new normals take place. Number one, if you're taking notes, your new normal happens in normal moments. We see this in verses 17 through 20. Life happens all around us. You know, think about it. We're doing life right now. This service is part of, uh, of your life. And for many of us, Sunday services have been the normal part of all our lives. I mean, I think I was in uh, Sunday service the, that following Sunday after I was born. Who would have ever thought that we would find ourselves where we are today, having a Sunday service this way? See, one, one day things were normal. And then from the normal was born a new normal. And you know, just like us, we were going about our day and our lives just as normal. And then we found about this new normal. The disciples, they were going about their day. And they were living life normally. And in verse 17, it talks about how they asked Jesus where he wanted to celebrate the Passover. This was just part of their normal life. Though it was a special holiday that happened every year, where the Jewish people celebrated their liberation, their freedom from Egypt, it was still normal life for them. The Passover, which is also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, because nothing with yeast could be eaten or even left in the homes of faithful Jews, that's what they did. They were celebrating this feast. You know, the Jews, uh, they had many feasts, just like we do. We've got Christmas, we've got uh, Thanksgiving, we've got Easter, we've got many celebrations just like the Jews do. They had uh, many different celebrations and feasts. Let me give them to you. The Feast of Pentecost or weeks. And this is when they celebrated God's provision for the harvest. They would celebrate the fact that God had provided for them everything that they had through their crops. They celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles or Tents. This is when they commemorated their wanderings in the wilderness and how they lived in tents and God provided food and water for them during that 40 years of wandering. There was the celebration of the Day of Atonement. And this festival really highlighted the sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. Blood was taken into Holy of Holies and sprinkled on the altar once a year by the high priest. And it was in order to atone for the sins of the nation for that year. They had the Feast of Lights. This was usually associated with the deliverance of Israel brought about by Queen Esther and how she intervened or Israel would have been wiped out. Here's one that you probably know of, the Feast of Dedication. You said, Pastor, I, I have never heard of that. You've probably heard it by this name, Hanukkah. This feast commemorates the deliverance of Jews under the leadership of Judas Maccabees. It's the time in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's called the Intertestamental Period, about 400 years there. Then we have the Feast of the Trumpets. It would be our New Year. That's their New Year feast. It would be our New Year celebration. The greatest of feasts in many ways was the Passover and unleavened bread, which we find in verse 17. The day of Passover was a one-day celebration, and, and it started at Thursday at sundown. While the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, had evolved from seven days to an eight-day-long feast beginning at Passover, so they combined the two. 
in normal life now, it was called the Passover. And in celebrating the Passover, they were celebrating being delivered from Egypt after 400 years of slavery. The disciples were told by Jesus to go and prepare the room for the evening meal. They were going about normal life. They were doing what most people, if not all people, were doing. They were getting ready for the Passover. They were remembering the sacrificial lamb whose blood caused them to escape the judgment of God. They would take that blood and they put it on, uh, on the door frame. That's what we call it. We would call it, they called it the lentil and the post, but we would call it the door frame, the top and the sides. And it was a symbol of God's ultimate Passover lamb whose blood would allow those who accept the final Passover lamb to escape God's eternal judgment. So this Passover, this blood that was placed on the door, was a symbol of what Jesus was getting ready to do. Jesus knew all of the significance of this Passover, unlike the disciples. The disciples thought it was just another celebration Passover. But in verse 18, Jesus notes, he says, my time is at hand. You know what he's saying? He's saying it's my time to die. It's on the horizon. He says, I'm going to keep the Passover. And Jesus is showing us that in every way he fulfilled the law up to the very last day. See, the point here, friend, is that though you may be going about your normal life, Jesus knows what is about to happen. The disciples didn't understand it all. Jesus knows when a new normal is going to take place in your life. And many times he's orchestrating the new normal. Guess what? Jesus knew about this. This isn't a surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew that this was exact, when this exactly was going to happen to us in our country and all around the world. And though we might have been taken off guard by it, Jesus wasn't. Think about it, though. There are new normals all throughout Scripture. I could give you new normals one after the other. I'm just going to give you one. Think about when Jacob believed that Joseph, his son, was dead. Jacob was a patriarch of the nation of Israel, and he had a son by the name of Joseph. It was his favorite son, and his brothers were jealous. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, and they staged a fake death. What they actually did was they sold him into slavery. But they went back, and they told their father that Joseph had died, and the way that they told him was, they took the favorite coat of Joseph, which Jacob made for Joseph, killed an animal, tore up this, this, this jacket, this coat, dipped it in the blood to make it look like Joseph was torn apart. See, Jacob believed that Joseph was dead. He had to live life in a new normal. But guess what? God used that evil to save the life of Jacob's family and the nation. Because then Jacob was reunited with his son many years later. And guess what? Now he got to live another new normal. See, what seemed to be a bad new normal, God was orchestrating to be a good new normal. We don't understand all that's going to come out of this, but can I tell you just one of the things that's come out of this new normal for us is open Bible? We've been able to reach more people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. That's a good new normal. See, God knows all about the new normals that's going to happen during normal life. 
And it was Jesus that knew what was about to happen. And though it was going to be the Last Supper, it was the best supper. He was instituting a new normal. You say, Pastor, so what do you want me to pull from that? Trust Christ in your new normal. See, your faith in Christ brings a new normal in your life through normal life. But secondly here, write this down. Your new normal happens in decisive moments. Your new normal happens in decisive moments. And we see that in verses 21 all the way through verse 30. Decisive moments in our lives. What are they? Well, how about this? Where to live? Where to go to college? Or do I go to college? What job should I take? Who should I marry? Here's a decisive question that you have to ask yourself. This decisive question not only affects this life, but it affects all, your, uh, the, the, all of eternity, your eternal life. Will I accept Christ's sacrificial gift of salvation for me? That's a decisive moment. All of these are decisive moments. And decisive moments many times, not only do they happen during the normal parts of life, but sometimes they happen during important announcements. And Jesus was about to give a big announcement. During this time, which we call the Last Supper, many times we see pictures of the Last Supper with them seated upright in chairs. But in New Testament times, the people of that day had adopted the Greco-Roman habit of reclining while they ate. They would lean on their left elbow with their head towards the table and their feet away from the table using their right hand to be able to take food. And being invited to uh, eat bread together in this time period was an act of friendship, just like it is during our time. When we invite folks into our home, saying, hey, we want you to come in. We, we want to be friends. And Jesus is being surrounded by his friends at this time, and he makes a troubling announcement. Take a look at verse 21. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Jesus announces that he's going to be betrayed by one of his friends. It has been noted that Judas was at the left of Jesus during this meal. You say, okay, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, the seat left of the host was a seat of honor. The one who was going to betray Jesus was given the seat of honor. How gracious of our Lord. Jesus gave bread to Judas and he accepted it, knowing it full well that he was going to betray the Lord Jesus. And not only did God and Jesus, God in the flesh, give Judas a place of honor, but Jesus in giving Judas this bread was an act of hospitality. And Judas accepting the bread was an evil act of treachery. But what I find interesting in this passage is that when Jesus said that one of you would betray me, Nobody turned around and said, hey, hey, it's, it's going to be Judas. None of, nobody said that. See, Judas did a good job of covering up who he really was. Jesus states that it was the one who would dip his hand in the dish. Now, I personally believe that this was just an expression simply to state that the betrayer was a person who was at the dinner party because everybody had been dipping their hand in the dish. Turn to your Bible, if you would, to Psalm chapter 41, because in Psalm chapter 41, it prophesies about this in verse 9. 
Psalm 41.9 reads this way, Yea, mine own familiar friend, whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. See, it was very shocking that one who was celebrating in friendship the Passover was actually the enemy of Jesus. He would actually hand Jesus over to be crucified. But Jesus makes two things very clear. That his death was part of the will of God and nothing, nothing will be done outside his divine purpose. And guess what? Nothing is going to be done with what we're going through outside of the divine purpose of God. And secondly, Jesus makes clear, this divine purpose does not diminish the guilt that rests on the betrayer. And you know what? Those who might have done this for our harm does not negate their guilt. See, Jesus now, at a very special moment, he makes one announcement, and it's a very decisive moment. Judas had to make a choice. He made the wrong choice. Now he makes another uh, announcement, and this is a very decisive moment to bring them into a new normal. Take a look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is, the blood, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Here is this, uh, a decisive moment. Jesus institutes what we call the Lord's table. Jesus is starting something new. It's a new observance. It's being marked by a new beginning with a special thanksgiving. The Bible says in this passage that he takes the bread and he blesses it. He breaks it and he gives it to the disciples. Now, they had already been eating. Eating was going on. It wasn't like, okay, they, they weren't eating and then Jesus starts this. No, it was in the middle of this. And so he's saying, I'm making something new for this Passover meal. There's something that's going to become very decisive here. It's going to be different than what it was before. He states that his body is representative of the bread that's being broken. And they were to eat the bread. And Jesus is stating that this is his death that was about to happen on the cross. Then Jesus states to take the cup and drink it, which represents the blood of Christ, which is shed for the remission of sins. See, when Jesus said that his blood is the blood of the New Testament or the New Covenant, he was saying that his death would be central to the relationship between God and the people of God. It would be the means of cleansing people from their sin and consecrating them to a new life of service to God. It's a new normal. No more would be the sacrificial system. Jesus would be the ultimate and final sacrifice. See, these disciples were at a decisive moment. Things would never be the same for them. Either they can continue life as it was, or they could see Jesus as the lamb who would take away the sins of the world, and they did. See, they were entering in on a new normal. So when they celebrated Passover, it would mean something entirely different for them. See, this last but best supper brings a new normal, and it brings a new normal for us. What is that? that after you accept Christ as your personal Savior, we look back to commemorate the redemptive death of Jesus Christ, but we look forward 
and anticipation of his return. See, friend, your faith in Christ brings a new normal to your life. It changes everything. Everything that you live for. You live now for something different, something better, something bigger. And your new normal, friend, as you grow in Christ, will happen in normal moments of life. But it also happens in decisive moments for Christ. My challenge is to you this morning is to take a look at what God's doing in your life. What does he want to change, adjust? What does he want to remake? And accept it as the new normal that God has for you. See, the new normal for you in Christ will always be better than life as normal. And friend, if you've never heard about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you've heard it, but have you ever accepted Christ as your personal Savior? See, friend, you're at a decisive moment in your life. Your decision could be the new normal for you for all of eternity. And it's simply as realizing that you're a sinner. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that all have sinned. Me, you, the whole world. We've all sinned. And we come short of God's glory. And that we can't get into heaven. The Bible tells us we can't get into heaven by our own goodness. We can't get into heaven by, by being good, doing good, being religious. You say, could you get into heaven by being a preacher? No, I don't get into heaven by being a preacher. The only way that I get into heaven is realizing that I am a sinner and that accepting the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I was at a decisive moment in my life, and I had to put my faith and trust completely in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That I don't want to live a life on my own, of my own doing. I want Jesus to rule my life. And at that decisive moment, I made the choice to put my faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he died for my sins. And that he rose again according to the scriptures. And because I place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, I'm freed from sin. I have a relationship with God. I have a home in heaven. I don't have to go to that awful place called hell. By the way, God never created hell for you. Hell was made for the demons and the devil. You say, well, then why do people go to hell? Because of sin. The same reason why the devil and those fallen angels, which are demons, are in hell. Because they sinned against God. And friend, if we sin against God and don't accept his payment, the Passover, the blood applied to your life, it's not applied to a doorpost any longer, but it's applied to your life. If you refuse that, God only has one option. That's the option of hell. Friend, God doesn't want that for you. Would you accept the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's as simply as asking him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and say, God, I'm going to trust you for my eternal salvation. I'm going to start living life on a new normal. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to be here. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as Christians 
and those who do not know you. Father, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us. I pray for the Christian, that you would convict our hearts and help us to see the new normal you want us to live. And I pray for the unsaved, that they would accept the new normal in their life of having faith in you and living a life that would honor you. We thank you for your goodness. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friend, just want to let you know, we're doing our best to be able to work on when we can bring the body back together. Though the church is not a building, it's a body, we do want to be back together. And hopefully this week, we'll have something in your hands via email, and then we're going to mail you a hard copy of a tentative plan to be able to get back together. Um, our staff has gone over this. Our deacons have reviewed it. And we're doing our best. There's going to be some changes in the auditorium uh, and seating capacity and those type of things. And again, this is a work in progress. Uh, please be flexible with us. But I'm trying to do my best to make sure that informed people, you folks, uh, can be a happy people. I don't want any surprises. And so we are going to make some adjustments, uh, like I said, with our auditorium and uh, seating and capacity and those type of things. Uh, so please uh, give prayer uh, uh, and, and ask that the Lord would give wisdom as we do our best. We're trying to navigate some new waters, if you would. And just a moment, our Kids Quest is coming up. So get your kiddos ready. God bless you. And I look forward to being with you next Sunday at 1030. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on today's broadcast. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Be sure to reach out to someone this week. Send an encouraging text or a voicemail to stay connected. If you'd like to give today, you can do so on openbiblenj.org. To get encouraged throughout your week, check out our podcast of past messages on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you on the next broadcast.